1: We would be honored if you would
0: join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, you got the pootie, and peanut The booty I like to switch it around whose name I say first because yeah. I get
1: vanilla uh, creams <laughs>
0: that's the worst
1: that is literally that's, the worst that's an inside joke for all our uh, all our fellow rebels <laughs> I made yeah. a
0: joke that said I was pretending I was a female and I, I said I like to use my creams like to keep your skin soft and I if just got torn apart for it it gets worse it does get worse I realize as you explain it it, yes, it gets worse how you doing my friend
1: uh, I'm doing I'm doing well Are I'm you? doing even better now that we've uh, we've shared that embarrassing story for you cuz I feel like now the heat's on you
0: have, have have you been staying warm in the like Arctic temperatures we've been having recently?
1: Dude, it's so cold. It's ridiculous.
0: I, I think we should just take a picture of us recording like bundled up because I, I think our American th- Americans already think we live in an igloo. Yeah. So like, I just want them to know that in this week particular, they're not far off.
1: Yeah, no, it, so. it's been, it's been very, very cold. Uh, my car actually, as I was starting my car this morning, it had the like, rrr, 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 and it did start, but I had that moment of like, it's so cold. My car Car hates life. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh man. Uh, So, we are the Rebel Podcast, and uh, hopefully, you're listening to us on your favorite uh, app. Uh, podcast app uh, And hopefully you have rated us And reviewed us on that app uh, And uh, we are part of the Rebel Alliance Media Along with the Awakening Reformation Podcast That comes out on Tuesdays And Fathers of Faith for Covenant Kids That comes out on Mondays uh, Check out all that content As well as blogs and cultural videos And uh, and all that kind of stuff At rebelalliancemedia.com That'll link you to our Facebook page YouTube, all that kind of stuff A lot of people don't know That we have our YouTube channel up and going We've been dropping not only podcast episode. Uh, video video content for our um, uh, for that, but uh, also our cultural videos and stuff. So anyway, rebeliancemedia There's lots of stuff on there, um, and uh, so check it out, including including the shop. We have a shop up uh, that's going to have merchandise like clothing merchandise very soon. But right now it has uh, it has some packages of uh, teaching series, has the eschatology series, uh, a couple of the podcasts, very very cheap. We're talking a, a buck or two each. A calendar
0: yeah. of Nate and I. <laughs> No <laughs> like a firefighters uh, <laughs> It's just all pictures of you preaching huh. me and the co- me singing worship and then Dave just
1: sitting there you didn't you made that joke on the wrong episode cuz you just talked about your bubble bath with cream. So no, let's just get that image out terrible. of people's minds. Let's that's get terrible. let's move on to rebel, rebel news. news. Let's rebel get, let's news. move on to rebel news.
0: I I have one. I don't I don't want to talk specifically about the incident because I to be honest there's so much news about it that it's it's hard to kind of keep up but so, so
1: much vague news about it. Yeah, that's yeah. the way
0: that's the better way to put it. Did you see um this was a couple of weeks ago now. There was a, a protest between, like, basically uh, people...
1: Like for, the Make America Great Again Yeah, the Make Folk. America...
0: Exactly. And it was from a Roman Catholic school, Covington High School. Right. And so it was Native young Americans. kids. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And they had a confrontation. So, and,
1: sorry. And then the other the other one was, like, was it an Aboriginal rights or, like...
0: I think it was just a na- uh, Native American um, march, I okay. think, um, for... Yeah. Friday's indigenous people's March. Okay. Um, and so it happened at the Lincoln Monu- uh, monument in Washington. And
1: the reason it's a the- good place for such a clash. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's terrible. Uh, but basically what happened is that th- there was an image that was snapped and this became like a meme shared all over Facebook. I've seen it all over the place.
1: Twitter. It was created. Yeah.
0: All, all it is is just a picture of well it looks like a like a young guy standing there smirking wearing a Make America great hat at a Native American. And this has sparked a media outrage. And my point the reason I wanted to bring this up as rebel news is because both camps in this in this situation both say this this is much to do about nothing. Right. The they said yes there was an altercation, but that it was more of a It wasn't
1: physical, nobody no. got hurt.
0: Exactly. And so, like, the the Native American person actually is pointing out he's an elder who apparently is a Vietnam vet who pointed out he was just trying to defuse the situation. And then the, the Roman Catholic student, who's a minor, so, like, he, he's only been quoted, like, vaguely, has basically said he he was trying to also diffuse the situation because people you know when you get two groups of people, people together shouting they're shouting there's people are, are are thing, but what where i'm going with with this i realize this seems is that all the news about what this actually was about has been super vague where it's all it's been is like the right side saying one thing and the yeah. left side saying this and both sides trying to use this for their own agenda when we actually don't know what happened
1: yeah it such like the the actual so it's sad because this is a rebel news item that is kind of showing us the state of news right like this is part of the problem is that people don't report news and facts and what happens anymore the reporting all has to do with how you should feel about it and so the actual details of what happened in this this so-called altercation have been completely lost and i've read several different articles that have all um had kind of almost conflicting information and not like complete information. Like none of them are complete, no matter whether, whether you're reading them from the right or the left. And so the point is, is that this whole thing has become, it's, it's a picture without the details of what the picture is explaining. And instead using the picture to elicit a feeling in the base of the people who... Interact with that news source. So the so the 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 conservative news sources are using this as as a, a way to kind of push their agenda of you know the 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 crazy left who get violent you know in their protests and the left news outlets have been using this to like how you know the the bigotry of Trump's uh, electoral base, which is funny because they're all minors and couldn't vote anyway. <laughs> um, so, but it it's just. I, and I guess that's the point is that you have to be really selective of where you're getting your news sources from these days because nobody is, is recording facts. Nobody is recording details. Everybody is just trying to make you feel something alongside them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's kind of where, where I was going with this whole thing is that it's like we, we can't just look at something now and say, oh, well, that, that was wrong or just like let it go or just be like oh it happened and it, it's just a thing that happened we all everything becomes a political enemy now yeah. something that's used by the left or the right to attack each other and I don't know the circumstances here maybe all of the the Roman Catholic stu- school kids were completely in the wrong I'm not like they that could be the case but we don't know that and at the same time is there're also children you know what I mean <laughs> like like yeah. I was an idiot when I was 16. <laughs> yeah. you were probably
1: and also idiot. an idiot. I also just, an idiot. Yeah, but I mean like
0: just because a kid's wearing a Make America great hat while he's being an idiot doesn't mean that Trump supports this rally. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean right. that the right is all behind the actions of these kids. And likewise, just because it's a it's a, a minority group that's being protested against in this, in this case that the clashes against, doesn't mean that the left that every white person's a racist because they've they've come up. And I just I just think it's very We need to be very careful before we start jumping on sides. Right. And like, this is a Christian podcast. So how we help you think biblically about these things is to take a moment, breathe. Don't start throwing out things on social media right away. Get the facts, judge, judge the situation. Then maybe comment on it. But before you say anything, don't, don't be a reactionist. You know what I mean? Like, and, and start thinking about these, these things, not left and right, but biblically. Does yeah. that make sense?
1: Yeah. Um, so one last uh, little quick piece of, of uh, Rebel News. I didn't, I didn't give you a heads up on this one, but I wanted to know your thoughts. That's
0: always a recipe for disaster.
1: <laughs> no, no. So this is, uh, this is uh, involving your friend uh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go way back. Yeah, your pal. Um, so Is this the penciling? Yeah, yeah. So she was just uh, at a concert in Las Vegas. And she was using. I we can't even we couldn't play the clip if we wanted to because of the foul language she used in it. But she went on to criticize Vice President uh, Mike Pence's wife Karen, the second lady, um, because of you know that Vice ran that article about how she was delighted to be teaching in a in an anti LGBT. School, which is a very again another example of biased journalism, um, because her quote had nothing to do with that measure of it, just her delight at working at a Christian school. Um, but anyway, uh, the the quote here from Lady Gaga is that Vice President Pence is quote the worst represented, representation of what it means to be a Christian. <laughs> and and I, I okay. like so this is. I guess my, uh, my thought here is that so she's accusing a Christian of being the worst kind of Christian because of their stance on LGBT issues. And so th- this is kind of the, um, so right, so this podcast exists to equip Christians to engage culture with a biblical worldview. So when you hear that, I, what I want to make our listeners aware of is what's happening there. This is a non-Christian christian Telling a Christian what it means to be a Christian. This is a woman who would probably hate the concept of mansplaining, right? Like she would not want a man to explain something to her, right? Like she's a, she's an outspoken feminist. She's an outspoken LGBT activist. Like imagine the, the heat I would get under if I, if I went on to, to, to say, you know what, Lady Gaga is the worst kind of insert whatever feminist woman whatever and if i if i went on record if there if there was anybody who who kind of used that and, and talked tried to tell somebody in the transgender community from outside the transgender community what transgender people think or feel They would be completely lambasted. And so it's just interesting that you're allowed to step into the Christian worldview and criticize Christians for what they believe and explain to us what we should and shouldn't believe based on your zero knowledge of our faith. And yet, you would be the first one to lose your mind if a man came in to explain to a woman what it's like to be a woman or uh, if, if I went in and explained to a homosexual what it's like to be a homosexual. So it's just another example of the the double standard where uh, the 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 tolerance of our society has a common enemy. <laughs> All of the things that are vying for our tolerance are intolerant of Christianity. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I think I think we're well versed in the fact that I. I I truly dislike celebrities taking platforms. Like yeah. I, I very much, except dis- Chris Pratt. <laughs> Chris Pratt. Well, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I'm just like, I, no, I, I, my, th- my thing with this is that it's, it's so deliberate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's in the middle of a concert, she's playing a song on a piano. She stops in the middle to have this like tangent rant when she's already keyed up her followers to...
1: Yeah, all, they're already on a musical, emotional high.
0: Exactly. Right? We've all been to concerts. You get carried away. That's the point of li- like yeah. those kind of live live shows, right? Um, and then she goes on this rant that, again, you, you pointed out, I thought, brilliantly. She doesn't know the, the first thing about... But what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Now she probably has a loose understanding because I feel like most Americans do right. of what Christianity she's vaguely the judge is. Not
1: lest ye be judged. <laughs> we got a video on that. <laughs> we do have a video on that.
0: Um, but what like exactly? She's giving like an um, to a mass She's basically preaching a sermon yeah. against Christianity, and she would be the first one to stand up and and try to get our mics pulled off if we went. To a march or to a, and or preach hurt. the gospel yeah. or said anything about, she would be the first one to say freedom of speech should stop. Yeah. They shouldn't be allowed to speak yet. She's allowed to do that and we're, we're supposed to take it and not, and she can make the comments like that. It just blows my mind that there's like such an obvious disconnect between what, what we're allowed to do and what they're allowed to do. Yeah. She can do that in her concert, but Mike Pence can't teach well, Mike Pence's wife, not even Mike Pence. Yeah. Uh, Mike Pence's wife can't teach where she feels like she wants to teach. Yeah. Well, I don't understand.
1: Yeah, the double standard is insane, um, and I so uh, and one of the one of the many areas. So we're in the middle of a. Or actually, we're going to finish it off today in this in this little kind of mini series on doctrines that the church has gotten soft on. And I feel like Lady Gaga can make a comment like that. Because the church has gotten soft in these areas, right? So, we're in the middle of this series, and, and we, we did an episode several weeks ago on some uh, kind of the five, thing, five doctrinal um, truths that the church has gotten soft on. And so, in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about biblical inerrancy, uh, we talked about uh, social justice, and we talked about another one. Hell. hell, yeah. The Doctrine of Hell and uh, Eternal Punishment. It's
0: getting soft on Hell. <laughs>
1: yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the last two are Gender Roles. And um, traditional view of marriage, right? I, I guess you, you can lump all that kind of LGBT sympathies into one thing. So we're actually going to lump those up, those things together. I feel like these are things that often come up in Rebel News. So we, we you've heard us talking about them for a while. Uh, and so we don't want uh, to do overkill here and, and repeat a bunch of stuff that you've heard us say a lot. So we're going to combine those together. But I think they lend themselves to be uh, blended together. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about... uh, gender roles, traditional marriage, and LGBT. Have you checked out the latest at rebelalliancemedia.com? At the bottom of the homepage, you can now sign up to the Rebels mailing list, so you'll never miss an update. On the
0: blogs and articles page, you'll find posts by Erica Van Brimmer and Ben and Andrew Emery as they write about culture, politics, theology, Christian living, and more. There's Peanate's Eschatology Series page and a new Members page. There's a shopping page where you
1: can purchase audio files. More stuff will be appearing there soon. Tell your friends to have a look at rebelalliancemedia.com. You can do even more to help the Rebels by clicking the Donate button. Interact with the Rebels on Facebook, Twitter, or email. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back after break, and we are going to talk about gender roles. Uh, we're going to talk about traditional marriage, and we're going to talk about uh, LGBT stuff. Uh, so th- if you've been with the rebels for any given time, uh, you know that we talk about this a lot because the whole point of this podcast is to equip Christians to engage culture with a biblical worldview. And, and you've heard us say this many times. We think that this, this is, is kind of the modern battle Um, for Christians. And so no wonder the church has gotten soft on it because this makes us unpopular, right? This is, this is the thing that makes the world hate us. And we shouldn't be surprised that the world hates us because Jesus said it hated him first. Jesus says, woe to you when all men think well of you. So we ought to be expected to be hated by our culture, by, by God hating culture, if we love God. Um, but this really is the battle line. So you see a lot of churches who are getting soft on the issue. Uh, we've done rebel news items where the, uh, Presbyterian church of Canada issued a public apology, uh, for all of the ways that they've, uh, suggested to gay individuals that homosexuality is outside of God's plan for um, romance and, and uh, marriage. Uh, and so, you know, certainly in Canada, this, this, this is a battle that we seem to have lost, but there are still uh, faithful Christians trying to fight this battle. So we want to encourage you to continue fighting this battle. Um, and I think it all starts with, and this is why we kind of lump these things together, it starts with a, 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 very lo- a loss of the unique way in which God created men and women right? Um, it, it starts because we, uh, we believe that equality has something to do with the value of our roles. And so one of the reasons that Christians want to blur the lines between uh, gender roles is because they think that we, we live in a culture where our value is so tied to our roles, right? Think about it. The, the, the people who go to school the longest have to have initials in their names and you can't call them Mr. So-and-so it's doctor. So-and-so it's, it's uh, professor so-and-so. And And there's even a lot of pastors who say, Oh, I'm Reverend so-and-so. And, and and Lord knows if they're a doctor, Reverend, (laughs) that's on a sign somewhere, right? We live in it. We live in a society where um, people's value is so tied to their roles. And we look up to police officers and educators and firefighters and, and doctors and, and certain people, because your worth is measured by your role, but that's that's not the biblical framework. the The biblical framework says that we are valued and we are um, we we find value and worth because we are created in the image of God. That's where our base equality comes from. And so the Bible speaks of um, not equality without distinction, but equality with distinction. That there are fundamental differences between men and women between our roles, our functions, and if you were listening to Rebel News last week, um, uh, the fact that one of us menstruate and the other don't, <laughs> right? Like, but, but we live in a culture where we try to blur all that, that, and we say it's unfair for one gender to get something that the other gender doesn't. And so we have to—equality uh, without distinction. And the Bible actually uh, calls us to function very, very differently. Two men, he's given the, the role of leadership, of assertiveness— um, of, uh, protection and provision and to women, he's given the gifts of, of nurture. He's created them as helpmates. He's given the management of the home. He's given them all kinds of different things, but that alone is a controversial statement in our culture to say that, that men's primary function is to provide for and protect the family. And a woman's primary function is to nurture and to care for the children. That's controversial in our culture. And unfortunately, it's even controversial in a lot of our churches.
0: Yeah, and I think the, I think the reason is because uh, we we talked about this last week. We talked about the fact that a lot of our pastors have shied away from preaching just truth all the time. They preach kind of what they feel like topical um, preaching. So what ends up happening is that social values, so things like um, feminism, yep. basically, is, is pervaded into the church because. Pastors aren't teaching complementarian theology from the pulpit. We're not getting good examples of that in our churches. So what ends up happening is, well, that void gets filled by what the world says about about men and women. And what ends up happening is you get the feminist movement has just successfully basically influenced many women to abandon the divinely ordained roles, basically. Right. I don't know a better way to say, say that. And so what ends up happening is like, the idea of men and women's roles get very much tied to society things where I don't think there would be a Christian pastor who would say women shouldn't vote. We don't have anybody who would say women shouldn't, you know, become members in our churches, shouldn't have a say in on like in terms of the um, membership of the church membership roster or anything like that in our churches. But we do draw the line when, where the Bible draws the line in leadership in eldership and in teaching and things like that where the bible clear, clearly does have guidelines guidelines for that and that that rankles with a lot of people men and women both because men because we we've abdicated our our role of le- as being the leaders and then it also rankles because basically we've had women who have been trained their entire lives to say that they can do everything equally, if not better than a man anyway. So why do we need men in the first place? There's, there's schools. I have, I have a friend who goes to school for woman studies and her whole program in university is just teaching her how much better she is as a woman than a man. That's how she describes it to me. And I was like, okay and then she's like basically they have they have courses where all it is is describing like well you can do you can be a police officer better than a man because of this this and this and it's just like well if a man did the same thing it'd be ridiculous and the, my only point is to that is that we live in a culture that has been systematically training training women against what the Bible says in terms of the of the of the of the, of the uh, roles that have been giving out
1: so um, when when so when we say, when we use terms like complementarianism, let's just stop for a moment to define what we mean by that. So so um, complementarianism would be um, in contrast to egalitarianism, and I've, I've, I've kind of defined them without saying that I was defining them, but com- uh, egalitarianism is the view that men and women are created equal and without distinction, that there are no roles or functions that a man has that a woman can't also fill. Um, Whereas complementarianism is the teaching that masculinity and femininity are ordained by God and that men and women, though created equal, are created to complement or complete one another. They have differing roles that when they come together are uniquely gifted to be strong and weak in in different points. And you see this, I mean, right from the very, very beginning. I mean, you don't have to, in terms of just providing a biblical basis for this, you don't have to go much further than uh, Genesis, when god's creating them male and female right and he creates them and he talks about um so in in genesis chapter 2 it says it's not good that man should be alone i will make a helper fit for him And even that language there, if you go into the original Hebrew helper fit for him is is literally like a helper who compliments him, a a helper who um, is soft where he's hard, a, 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 a person who is strong where he's weak and weak where he's strong, like somebody who fits together with him. And so when he looks at Eve and he says, flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, Adam is recognizing his counterpart in another, right? He's recognizing that she's given to him as a helper for him. And that's the language in Genesis 2. You can't get around the language that's, that's used. God gives his command to Adam and the responsibility to convey that commandment to Eve. When Eve uh, eats of the fruit first, God still goes to Adam first, Right. And and blames Adam first. And when Adam tries to pass the blame and say, hey, it's the woman that you gave me. Um, God doesn't let him get away with that. He curses Adam for his sin of omission, his sin of not uh, leading his wife, protecting his wife and providing for his wife in the garden. So you don't have to go much further than Genesis. But I mean, there's all kinds of, of passages that we can read. Right. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians five is the famous verse. Wives, submit to your husbands in all things as to the Lord. Right. And talking about how the the husband is the head of uh, the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. You think about 1 Timothy 2, where it says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. So rooted in the creation narrative, Paul is, is giving Timothy instruction on how things should be ordered in a church. He goes on to talk about the qualifications for elder, overseer, pastor, all the same word in the New Testament, that they ought to be the husband of one wife, that there's um, a, a reservation for men in the role of pastors. And so you can go through and, and we could list all of the various uh, passages. You think of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, it talks about, so the, uh, the head of every woman is her husband. Um, and uh, you think about Titus 2, it talks about um, how uh, God has given uh, older women in the church to teach the younger women, not to teach the church, not to teach them doctrine, but again, to teach the younger women. So there's all kinds of these verses, and we can we can talk about all of the restrictive verses, um, but I, I say that to say this isn't just a one thing one sort of verse that we're pulling and creating a, a theology out of this is rooted in the creation narrative. Whenever Paul teaches on the restrictions he places on women within the family and within the church, he roots it to the creation narrative. So it's all tied together there. And what we failed to do as, as pastors is we've failed to trust God's word and we we uh, look at women who are gifted communicators, gifted teachers and, and we look at them and we say, you know it's just not fair that they can't use those gifts when the reality is is God has given those them those gifts, but that he's given them those gifts as well as his commands for how families and churches ought to function, and so those gifts ought to be used within his confines. So that's what complementarian and egalitarianism kind of are. Is there anything you wanted to kind of add on to that?
0: Yeah, I would basically say the. I, I like the way you put that last part. Is like, but the, I think the the biggest problem is that we naturally assume that because there's differences, that one or the other is lesser. And right. I, like, that's right. I think the, I think the thing that. Gets lost when people are arguing about complementarian versus egalitarianism, or men and women in the church is the idea of equal value, different roles. And so, like, but like, we need to remember that both thing, both pieces have value. When you look at a marriage, you use the analogy of a, of a marriage. You say, well, the a good marriage they complement each other. And I think that's I think that's a really good picture because we've all seen a marriage of two people who are exactly the same, and it never works. And it's like, you're on the surface, it just, you just look at me like, that's not healthy. Yeah. When you see a marriage and you see one where it's like, oh, well, they, they, they balance each other out. They round out each other. They make, they make each other whole almost. And it looks, it's a beautiful picture. That's what, that's what it is with men and women. That's what it was with Adam and Eve. The woman is to basically round off the man in, in in a, in a way by filling in a lot of the deficiencies men have. Absolutely. And men fill in all the deficiencies women have just because we're different. It doesn't inhibit us in either way from flourishing in our roles to the glory of God. It makes, it makes the picture perfect in, right. that, in that situation because we're both image bearers of, 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 of God. We're both created in his image. We're just created differently.
1: Yep. we uh, So we had an episode where we brought Erica Van Brimmer on from the Awakening Reformation podcast who is The weaker uh, vessel Yeah, who affectionately <laughs> refers to herself as the, as the weaker vessel from First um, Peter 3 And uh, and w- so if you want to kind of hear from a woman's perspective what complementarianism is and why it's so God-glorifying, I would encourage you to just go back to that episode and, and check that out That was part of the Truth Apocalypse series um, And uh, and so go, go back and check out our episode with erica van brimmer she did a fantastic job but uh in order to just kind of um keep moving forward in this podcast i I just want to assume that knowledge assume people know what complementarianism is and and where it is um and and i want to talk about why it's so important that churches get this right okay so first of all i would recommend the book to you evangelical feminism by wayne grudem he he wrote that book kind of as he saw the rise of feminism and the effects of feminism in the church. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the churches not getting the plain teaching of Scripture right or finding ways around the plain teaching of Scripture because of social pressures. And uh, and that that's what this whole little mini-series is about. And so I, I, I want to talk about that. And I can't recommend that book highly enough, Evangelical Feminism by Wayne Grudem. Um, and... Uh, there's a few things that i think are absolutely at stake and so i first of all let me just say plainly what what we believe we believe that the primary responsibility of men in the family relationship is to provide for the family to be a protector of the family you and i might disagree if whether or not that means that we have weapons in the home <laughs> to protect our family <laughs> but you're wrong about that and that's okay we can we can be uh, at odds, yeah Um, But uh, so men ought to provide for, protect, and spiritually lead. That means that he takes the initiative in terms of um, um, spiritual leadership within the home. Uh, it doesn't mean that every decision uh, get, has to have the man sign off on. It doesn't mean that he gets every decision. In fact, it's very interesting that in Ephesians 5, it says that the husband is the head of the wife, not the hes- husband is the head of the home, and many Christians get that wrong. They talk about husbands being the head of the home, and I think the reason there's that distinction in Ephesians chapter 5 is because to everybody else, you, ought, you and your wife ought to look like one flesh right this is this is about you two prayerfully discerningly through conversation and even through debate at times coming to a decision together but what male leadership looks like it's not just as tim keller says tie breaking authority but it's about the husband taking bearing the shoulder, the brunt of the responsibility for the direction that the, the home is leading. And ultimately, it does mean if a, if a husband and wife can't come to a decision, that the husband takes the responsibility and leads his wife because that's what God has ordained and therefore that's what God will bless. Um, so we believe that that husband's primary job is spiritual leadership, protection, and provision. And we believe that the, the wife's primary responsibility is to help the husband— to assist the husband in leadership of the home. That doesn't just mean doing the tasks that are delegated to her. That means continually referring her children to her husband's leadership. That means not undermining her husband in, in view of her friends or in view of her kids. That means affirming and submitting to her husband's authority. It, her responsibility is also mainly in the area of raising the children, nurturing the family, and caring for managing the home. And I get that we sound uber traditional right now. We <laughs> sound we sound like Little House on the Prairie right now. But the reality is, is that that whole stereotype... Came out of a society that was far more biblical than it is now. Now, we're not saying women can't work outside the home. We're not saying that there there wouldn't be a season uh, of, of time when a uh, uh, husband. I'm I'm at home right now with my kids on Fridays. I my, uh, my wife works on Fridays, and that happens to be my day off. I'm at home. I'm a I'm a homemaker on Fridays. I do dinner. I fold laundry. I do all that stuff, and and that's not. Being unbiblical because we very much have our various roles within the home. So it's, we're not saying that men and women divide the labor in such a way as to be a, a 1960s you know, um, perfect family. What we're saying is that the Bible gives primary responsibility for different things within the home. Spiritual leadership on one side, home management and child raising on the other. Um, primary responsibility to the husband or to the wife. So, So that's what we would say. Um, do you want to comment on that before I get into the things that I think are at stake when we blend, bl- blur these lines? Yeah,
0: I was just I was just going to say the the reason that rankles against our. our our minds when we hear that is because we picture the negative stereotype of this, we picture the idea where the woman stays at home all day doing all the work, doing everything at the house. High heels. (laughs) Exactly. Still looks great. Um, And then the man comes home from a long day at the office, sits down on the couch, wife brings him dinner, wife brings him a beer and he doesn't move for the rest of the day. And then we they we liken that because that's the bad picture and say that's what biblical leadership in the home looks like and that's not right because not what at all. biblical leadership is throughout all of scripture is servanthood that's right and which means like very clearly it says ma- women are to respect the husband and men are to serve the wife that's right Bib- like that doesn't mean we're supposed to just like be servants or anything like that but it means we're to we're to serve her we're to yeah. treat her with respect like Christ treated the church so. It looks like coming home and still having the energy to treat her well, to take her out to dinner, to you know play with your kids, pull your share of the housework, even though you've been at work all day and she's likely been home with the kids. It's to help her in that in that role because you're here to compliment her. That's right. You're here to balance her out, not to make her life, not for her to make your life easier. Yeah. Does it make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like like newsflash. Leader biblical leadership is servanthood. Right. That's what Jesus says in Mark 10. He says, those who desire to be great among you must be your servants. Right. And he says the Gentiles, they lord it over you. And in other words, they practice greatness and leadership by having others serve them. And so if if in any role, whether it's your your role as spiritual leader in the home, your your role as a ministry leader, as a pastor, as a work, as some sort of leader. If your role is using other people to prop yourself up or using other people to serve you because of your role. You're doing leadership wrong. You're doing leadership unbiblically. So, so husband, spiritual leadership within the home means that you're the one. You're the one when when uh, your kid gets up in the middle of the night with a nightmare, and there's an opportunity for spiritual development there. That means that that more often than not, you're the one getting up. You're the one praying with them you're the one teaching them that that Jesus can conquer their fear and Jesus can can conquer whatever it is that they're um, scared of and and that's causing them nightmares that means you know all of these these things that that's what leadership looks like leadership looks like you coming home and after you help put the kids to bed letting your wife put her feet up and rubbing her feet and and doing the dishes and doing those things that's what it looks like because you're there to serve her because that's what spiritual leadership looks like it looks like laying your life down for others in fact that's exactly what ephesians 5 says says love your wives as christ loved the church and laid and laid down his life for her like that's the point jesus died on the cross for you the least you can do is sacrificially serve your wife because that's what it's supposed to be a picture of okay so i want to get into what is at stake as feminism seeps into the church All right, as as these gender roles get abandoned, this is what's at stake. Number one, the authority of Scripture is at stake, right? So the Bible clearly teaches that men and women are equal in value and dignity and have distinct and complementary roles in the home and in the church. If churches disregard those teachings, if they accommodate the culture, then the members of those churches and subsequent generations will be less likely to submit to God's word in other difficult matters as well. So in other words, the authority of Scripture is at stake because the minute we're willing to compromise on this because of how it makes us feel, the more prone we are in subsequent generations to abandon God's word based on how we feel. So, the first thing that's at stake is the authority of Scripture. Second thing that's at stake is the actual health of the home, right? If families don't structure their homes properly in disobedience to teachings like Ephesians 5 that we just talked about, or 1 Peter 3 or Colossians 3, then they won't have the proper foundation. From which to withstand the temptations of the devil and the various onslaughts of the world. This hinders the sanctification of married couples and also introduces confusion about basic parenting issues, such as raising masculine sons and feminine daughters. So the minute you start to blur the lines in your home, the, the minute these lines start to get blurred in the church, and make no mistake, the the, the churches That are in a state of confusion because they affirm male spiritual leadership in the home and don't affirm male only pastoral leadership in the church are confusing their congregants. Because what does it look like for a man to exercise authority over his wife in all areas of their home and yet come and submit spiritually to a woman in the pulpit? Right. And I would just I would just venture to say that there are women in the pulpits long before there are women in fighter jets in uh, in um, roles of uh, prime minister and premiers in our countries. There, there are women who are being unfaithful in their God given roles in the pulpits long before they were in the homes and in the uh, cultures. So um, we've led the way into rebellion on this. Um, the third thing that's at stake is the health of the church. Just like the home, if the church disobeys the plain teachings of 1 Timothy 2, 1 Corinthians 11, and disregards the structure that God put into place for the community of faith from the beginning, then the church will be weakened. If the church is weakened in its convictions, it will be less effective in accomplishing its mission. So, the authority of Scripture is at stake, the health of the home is at stake, the health of the church is at stake. I would also say that our worship is at stake. So increasingly, members of the evangelical community in the name of gender equality are advocating calling God mother as often as we call him father, right? We, we we've we've heard about people who refer to God as gender neutral. There's even there's even so many people who are trying to get Bible translations to become gender neutral, right? And we we, we hear about these sorts of things. And so even so if God has named himself, and for us to make changes to his self-revelation only undermines the written word of God. God. and so any attempt that we do and, and for, for the record you might be going to a faithful church that isn't calling God the mother of all things living that might not and, and so you might look at that one and kind of shake your head or kind of you know kind of you know that's not us but let me just say do you think that many of the mainstream churches where you, that write your worship music do you think that they're getting more conservative or more liberal? And I would say that most of them are getting more liberal. And so how long is it before many of the songs that we have to select from are actually using intentionally gender neutral pronouns for God? We might, and, and we might just say, oh, I, I, I never, I'd never sing a song that talked about God the mother. Yeah, that's fair. But what about the subtlety of um, certain Hillsong artists who have already come out and said that they write their songs trying not to use the word father? And so they'll intentionally use God instead of father, even if the passage that they're drawing from, the psalm that they're drawing from uses God the father, they won't insert father into the song because of that. So so our worship is at stake there as well. And then the last thing is the advance of the gospel is at stake. Ephesians 5 calls husbands and wives to relate to one another as a picture of Christ in the church. In fact, Paul even says this mystery, and he's talking about husbands and wives coming together in a one flesh union. He says, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that this refers to Christ in the church. So our marriages, including the roles that the Bible defines within them, is a picture of the gospel. And the picture involves the humble, sacrificial leadership of the husband and the joyful, intelligent submission to that leadership by his wife. And the minute that is tampered with, the spread of the gospel is tampered with because the picture of the gospel that the church and families within the church are displaying to the world is compromised. So I think there's a lot at stake as Eve as, uh Uh, Evangelical feminism, as Wayne Grudem puts it, seeps its way into the church. And And I think this is why we combine these episodes, because like, after all of that, do we even need to talk about gay mirage? Do we even need to talk about transgenderism and LGBT issues? Because all of those are just a byproduct of getting gender roles wrong in the first place. So, so why is it that, that men have gotten soft, Malacoy, go go re-listen to our, our episode with Tim Bailey. Why is it? It's because we've neglected, the very foundational way that God has created us and placed us within the church, within the culture and within our families. We're not hard. We're not assertive. We're not, um, the, the, um, initiators that God called us to be. And because we've abdicated that role, we've gotten soft everywhere else. And that's led to the main mainstreaming of homosexuality, transgenderism and all that stuff. So let me,
0: let me ask you a question then, because I, I think, I think you're spot on with everything you said there. Um, but I think there's a lot of men who will be listening to this podcast who go to churches who might not might affirm that stuff, but not practice it. So how do we change? How do we fix it as, as men in our churches, people who are leading ministries, who are in small groups, how do we, how do we change those things in our, in our church?
1: Okay. Number one, I mean, we have to model it as leaders, right? So, so, um, you know, flaccid is the pastor, who, um, you know, soft is the pastor who preaches complementarianism from the pulpit and doesn't live complementarianism in his, in his marriage. Right. Um, I think, so that's, you know, we have to model it. Um, the second thing I think that we have to do is we have to, um, so we do need to model it. We do need to teach it, right. Don't like, this is why expository preaching is so important. Like what pastor in 2019 is going to say, Hey, let's go to first Timothy two and three and talk about how women ought to be quiet in church and what that means. <laughs> right? Like, so unless you're preaching expository sermons, picking books of the Bible and teaching through them front to back, you're not going to get to these hard passages because it's not what you're going to choose to preach on. So preach expository sermons and teach complementarianism as it arises in the text that Model it, as I said. And then the other thing, so let me talk specifically to leaders, whether that's a pastor, a ministry leader, elders, whatever. Go after the men in your church. This is something that I've been very convicted of recently. If you just look at your church and you look at the willingness to serve the people who are there, who can be depended on for roles, chances are you have far more faithful, capable women than you do men. And the reason for that, I think, is because we've gone after whoever's easy, right? It's the women who are sitting in the pulpits and, and their men have abdicated their roles. This is a part of the curse, right? This is this is actually what God said was going to happen as he was doling out the curses in Genesis chapter three. He says that you that the the wife, your desire will be for your husband, for his role but he will rule over you. And so he's, he's, he's reaffirming male leadership there, but he's saying that part of the, the curse here is that women are going to be pursuing your role. And so in the church, even in complementarian churches that would not put a woman on the elder's board, the sin in women's hearts will have them aspire to greater leadership wherever they can get it. And so what we have is women who are aspiring it's interesting when when uh, Paul is talking about the office of elder and he says, he who seeks, he, 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 he who seeks the office of elder uh, seeks a noble calling, right? And, and what's interesting is that I have men in my church who are capable and um, qualified for eldership who say no when asked to serve on the elders board and they say no because they're too busy because they don't want to give another night out of the the week they don't want the responsibility like what is that men were created to bear this kind of responsibility and the bible actually says we have to desire that but but men are soft and 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 lazy and so they don't aspire for this and the women are more than willing to step in and do the work and so we have a whole lot of churches that Function off the volunteer willingness of women, and and don't get me wrong, that is amazing that women have stepped up, and some of it is it some of it, it comes from the sinful desires after the fall of of aspiring to more prominent roles, but there are a lot of churches and a lot of ministries that are functioning very very well with a whole lot of women at the helm. My my problem is is that pastors are satisfied with that instead of doing the hard work of going after a man's heart and let me just uh, encourage pastors you can have a congregation full of women and they'll tithe and they'll volunteer and and you'll preach to them and they'll be encouraging and it'll be wonderful but if you if you win a woman to the gospel and she's there and she's in your church then you've won her if you win a husband you win the family and more and more, I watch so many women who come to church on their own. And as soon as their kids become age where they can stay home with dad, they stay home with dad. And it's because their pastor hasn't done the hard work of going after the, the husband's heart. So um, I, I say that to say um, that's the other reason it's happened, because pastors have been too lazy to go after the men.
0: Well, your comments <laughs> can be directed to Rebel Alliance. <laughs> just teasing. That was fantastic. I didn't... I didn't we we make the joke sometimes you get in pastor mode on the podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and you you started preaching you know, I just pulled up the pulpit and let you go um, that was fantastic I think I think you I think that's absolutely bang on I think this is a crucial issue because yeah this is this is the one this is the one topic where. It, it's just so much, e- you you said it's just so much easier if we just side with the world. Yep. It's so much easier if we just ignore Timothy. It's so much easier if we just ignore the Genesis account. If we just explain that away as poetry or, or symbolic. It's so much easier because as you said, the hard work comes at the chasing after the husband yep. and, getting, and getting them to get biblical it's easy when there's women who are just willing to do that. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's spot on. I think that's fantastic. We're the rebels. Let's wrap it up. Hope you guys enjoyed the series. Be back with us next week. Love it.